remain standing, and if you will, I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Hosea. How many of y'all were here last Sunday? Wave your hand at me. Notice I didn't ask you if you wouldn't here last Sunday to wave your hand at me. I wouldn't do that to you this morning. Amen. Um, but I will say this. If you missed last Sunday, can I just encourage you? Go back on our live stream. Go back on our live stream. Uh, you can look at the 9 o'clock or the 11 o'clock service last Sunday. I started vision casting last Sunday. And I told our congregation, I told everybody, I said, this series is essential every single week, okay? And I'm building on last week today. So if you weren't here last week and you didn't get and you didn't get last week's message, we're going to be picking up in a very it's going to be like a very weird spot. You're like going to be like, "Oh, what in the world?" So um, get this today, absorb it, take some notes, whatever the case may be, and then go back and I want you to watch last week's, but we're going to be reading the same main text that we read last week. It's in Hosea chapter 2. And I'm going to read verses 16 through 20 together as our main text. And it says this. And it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband. And no longer call me my master. That's so significant right there. For I will take from her mouth the names of the bells. And they shall be remembered by their name no more. In that day I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and with the birds of the air and with the creeping things of the ground. Bow and sword of battle I will shatter from the earth to make them lie down in safely. I will betroth you. Somebody say, I will betroth you. Sometimes that's a difficult word, is it not? Okay, never mind. Tough crowd this morning. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice and love and kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. How many of y'all want to know the Lord today? How many of y'all want to know the Lord and you want to make him known? Amen. Is that your prayer today? Today I'm excited. Uh, we began Vision 2023, the year of engagement, last week. Uh, I'm going to call this part one continued. Is that okay? I didn't, I didn't want to name it part two because we're not at part two yet. But this is part one continued. We're going to be dealing with the bride and covenant again today. Will you pray with me? God, one more time, I come before you. I clothe this word in prayer. Everything we do, God, is saturated in prayer. I believe prayer changes things. And I believe prayer makes a difference. So, God, hide me behind your cross. Let not, Lord, people see me or hear me, but let them hear you and see you through me this morning. God, let these words pierce the hearts of this congregation that we would not just be hearers of your word but doers. And I give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for everything that's accomplished in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Get ready. Fist bump two or three people as you're being seated this morning. Can we do a quick review this morning? I know it's, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expedite this message for you. Give me about 20 minutes this morning, and I want to be out of the way, okay? But a quick review. The book of Hosea portrays the dangers of observance of religious ceremony or the, going through the motions, in other words. The book of Hosea portrays the dangers of this without having genuine devotion or commitment to the Lord. I told you that last week. 
Some of this is going to be review, and we got to go somewhere. Uh, so I'm going, to, I'm going to quickly lay this foundation and get to where we're going today. This was the situation that God's prophet Hosea was ministering in the midst of. He was ministering to a, to a nation, religious you know, customs and, and traditions, without having genuine devotion to God. And, and, I, and I thought that that was so fitting for the American church today because if I see the American church anywhere today, it's a church that is just going through religious motion without having genuine devotion to Jesus Christ. But I want us to get to a place here at Forward Church where we are genuinely devoted to Jesus, Jesus Christ. We're not just going through the motions on Sunday morning, are we? We're not just coming to church and checking off a religious checkbox to say, I came to church. I paid my tithes. I did what I was supposed to do. And so what we have found is that we are supposed to be genuinely devoted, sold out to Jesus Christ. In this message that Hosea was portraying to the nation of Israel, it contained a note of hope. It said, basically this message said, if you want hope, it comes with sincere repentance, asking God's forgiveness, and it has to be accompanied by renewed commitment to the Lord. God's people may find forgiveness and restoration to God's favor and blessings if they will sell out to God once again. If they will, if they will, if they will completely go all in with Jesus Christ. Not necessarily anything finding satisfaction and fulfillment and favor in anything else but other than Jesus Christ. Betrothed means to be what? Engaged. How many of y'all were here last week? Wave your hand at me. Betrothed means to be what? Engaged. In some way, believers, both male and female, are spiritually engaged to who? Jesus Christ. And so, we are the church of Jesus Christ. We are the, the what? The, the bride of Christ. We talk at Wednesday night. Jesus is who? Our bridegroom. He is the, the bridegroom. The bridegroom is Jesus Christ. And the ancient Jewish wedding really has special relevance for the days in which we live because these are the days, I believe, that are immediately preceding the return of Jesus Christ for his bride. How many of y'all believe that? Do y'all believe Jesus is coming back for his church? Do y'all believe it's sooner rather than later? I believe that. I believe it's sooner rather than later. In this series, I told you, what we're going to do is we're going to relate the Jewish engagement customs or betrothal customs to our church today and how they apply to us in this year regarding the vision God's given us. Last week, what we did is we concluded the message by talking about our new covenant, which is the Word of God, and that we should first and foremost get back to engaging God in what? His Word. Listen to me, if you missed last week, really quick, and I'm going to get into new content right, right now. But if you missed last week, the main application from last week is that the church needs to know about her new, her new covenant in Jesus Christ. What is her new covenant? The Word of God. The New Testament. We need to get back to believing in, absorbing, digesting, consuming the promises of the Word of God and living by them and walking by them. Can I get an amen right there? I want to pick up with the cost of the bride. We got into that a little bit last week, but I want to finish it this week. 
See, the concept of being purchased and belonging to another has powerful spiritual application. We as the bride of Jesus Christ have also been purchased. How many of y'all remember that we talked about Jesus paid the highest price for us? Amen. Jesus gave his life. We as the bride of Jesus Christ, we have been purchased by the, the highest price possible. Jesus shed his blood for us. The Messiah actually wrestled with that price in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was as if when he was kneeling down in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying that night that he was arrested, he was, I, I, in, in my heart, I can't help but to think, he was saying, Father, do you realize the price that they're asking for the bride? Do you realize the cost that I'm about to have to pay for her, my bride? See, our bridegroom chose to pay the very high price because of the quote-unquote, it says this, of the joy that was set before him. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm thinking of the crucifixion, I'm not thinking that there is much joy in the crucifixion. So what is the scripture referring to when it says when Jesus was, was able to do this because of the joy that was set before him? Can I tell you that the joy was set, that was set before him was you and I? Jesus paid the price because he paid it because he loves you. He paid it because he didn't want heaven without us. So he made a way. He made a way because of the joy that was set before him, the joy of seeing each one of us redeemed, whole, new creations, a pure, spotless bride. We were the joy set before Jesus in the garden. The new covenant mentions our price or our cost a number of times. As a matter of fact, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 through 18 through 19, it says, Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus the Messiah, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Can I tell you that, that Jesus didn't give money for you? He didn't give silver or gold for you. He didn't pay a price for you in corruptible things. But he shed something that is just as powerful today as it was over 2,000 years ago. The blood of Jesus is incorruptible. Can I tell you, the blood of Jesus still washes away sins. The blood of Jesus is still saving people. We just had five people saved this morning. And it's all because of the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood. Jesus Christ, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 14 speaks of the redemption of the purchased possession referring to the bride of Messiah. 1 Corinthians 7 23 states that since we are bought with a price, we should not become slaves of men. That'll preach. You've been purchased with Je by Jesus Christ by the blood of the bridegroom. Why should we become slaves of men again? Why should we become slaves of the law again? Why should we become slaves of the opinions of others in our lives? I just want to set somebody free. Let your haters be your motivators. You don't belong to them. You belong to Jesus. Now, I know what some religious folk are saying in here this morning because everybody seems like, you know, they want to be whatever above the pastor and, and, and critique everything the pastor says. And if we can, you know, we got a lot of religious Pharisees sometimes in, in the church world today, you know. Like, oh, I'm taking notes because I can't wait to just trip this guy up with something. I know nobody in here. 
Maybe somebody watching on the live stream. We're, we're a perfect church in here today, right? Oh. Now, I know the Bible says that if it offends your brother, you know, don't be a stumbling block. Don't be, don't be this, don't be that. But I'm going to tell you, a lot of you are enslaved by the opinions of others in your life. A lot of you are bound by the opinions of others saying, you'll never measure up. You're not doing enough. You're not, you're not, you're not crossing all your T's and dotting all. That's that religious spirit that I'm working so hard in prayer and in preaching every single Sunday to try to overcome. And I believe it's going to be overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies. And I'm just wanting to set somebody free from that in this place this morning. You are not bound and you are not enslaved to anybody or any, anyone else on the face of this earth because you belong... You belong to the one who has paid the price for you and who the sun sets free is... Praise God, we got some Bible readers in here. Our price is also mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? For you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Glorify God with your body. Everything you do. Listen, you've got energy this morning. You've got breath this morning. Did you use your energy? Oh, wait. How, do, how can I say this without sounding or condemning? Did you give everything you've got? Did you give God your best this morning in worship? Did you glorify or did you hold back a little bit? Ask yourself. And I'm not trying to sound condemning this morning. I'm actually trying to light a fire under you this morning. I believe so many times we come into God's house and we wait on the pastor to get up here and pump us up a little bit before we actually go all in. Why is that? Why is that? Ask yourself, why? Why did I wait this morning? Praise God for the, for the ones that came to the altar. Praise God for the ones that raised their hands. But was not the Holy Spirit already in the house? Was not God already here? Then why did we hold back before the pastor got up here on the platform and, and motivated us a little bit? Can we get to a place as God's bride, as the bride of Christ, where we are motivated only by the presence of God and not by another man or not by a certain song or not by any type of the way it sounds or the way it feels or, or, or if it's too hot or if it, I'm, I, somebody's going to think I'm preaching about them right now and I didn't even have them on my mind, but I, I caught myself and I'm not going to say it for the sake of them thinking I'm preaching about them. I'm not. But can we just get to the place to where we can come in God's house and just say, God, if you're here, I'm going all in. And I'm not waiting on the pastor to get up on the platform. I'm not waiting on one of these guys up here to come and, and preach or, and, and, and pray fire down from heaven because I know the only one that deserves anything that I have to give this morning is not anybody up here on this platform, but it's the one who lives inside of me. It's the King of kings and Lord of lords. So it, it don't matter what you do. It don't matter what I do. What matters is what he's worthy of this morning. Did you give him your best? Did you give him your best? Because when we give him our best, he holds nothing back from us. When we give him our, I'm getting ahead of myself because I actually have that in my notes later on down. And I'll say it again when I get there. Because sometimes I don't get 
things until I say them two or three, until it's said two or three times to me. You know what I mean? You say it one time to me, I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. It goes in one ear out the other. Second time, I'm like, ooh, that's pretty good. Third time, I'm like, yeah, I got it now. I'm going to preach the same message three weeks in a row, and then you're going to be like, I got it, Pastor. Luke chapter 22, verses 19 through 20, Jesus mentions the bride price at his last Passover. Immediately before he paid the price in full, and he took the bread which he, and he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given to you. This is the cup. It goes on saying, This is the cup in the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Can I tell you that was the price, the body of Jesus Christ? The blood of Jesus Christ, that was the price. I've exhausted this statement, but I want you to understand that yielding to and accepting the fact that we no longer belong to ourselves because we have been bought with a price is a key to entering into the abundant life that the bridegroom has for us. Can I say that again because that was a mouthful? Accepting the fact that you have been bought with a price and that you don't belong to you and yielding to him, yielding, what does it mean to yield? God, God, I'm yielding to you. Have your will. God, God, let me see what you want me to see. Let me hear what you want me to hear. Let me say what you want me to say. Every step I take, every word I say, every thought I think, God, I'm yielding to you because I am not my own. You have purchased me, so God, I want to glorify you in everything I do. Do you live your life in that way? Do you do your dealings in that way? Do you run your business that way? Do you teach your classroom that way? Do you lead your family that way? Do you raise your children that way? See, when he, when we give him all of us, here it is. He freely gives us all of him. I highlighted this, in, or I made it bold this morning. When I was reading over my sermon, this might be a little bit different. I'm not standing on my head and, and spitting and, and, and all that, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm hoping this is getting through to somebody in this house right now. And if, and if the volume of my preaching determines whether or not you receive it, then I'm, I'm, I apologize for that. I will speak up if you want me to. But I'm feeling this just as much right now. Somebody needs to receive this. Don't miss what I'm about to say. How can we withhold anything from him when the high price he paid for us shows how valuable we are to him? How can we withhold anything from him when the high price that he paid for us shows us how valuable we are to him? You were so valuable. You are so valuable. Get this. Don't miss this. Right here, right now. You are so valuable to him. So valuable. How can we withhold anything now knowing that? That he paid the price that he did. I was going to conclude last week's message with this statement right here. But I've got about 10 more minutes worth of notes today. And I want you to get this. And I know it's quiet in here right now. But I want this to sink in. When Jesus died on the cross, paying the cost for the bride, he said, what did he say? It's finished. It's finished. John 19, verse 30, he said, it is finished. The word that he spoke as his final thought in the Hebrew word, kalal. I know I can't pronounce Hebrew very well. Give me some grace right there. 
which means to complete, to make perfect or finish. It is the same root of the word for the bride, kalah. Get this. The words that Jesus spoke on the cross when he said, it is finished, kalal, is the same root word for the Hebrew word for the bride, kalah, K-A-L-L-A-H. Could Jesus' last words on the cross have had bridal overtones? Could Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, shedding his blood, taking his last breath, giving his life to pay the highest cost for you, could his last words on the cross had bridal overtones? Meaning, could his very last words be about you? And I say, yes, it could because we were on his heart. Why, why shouldn't we have been on his mouth? As he was hanging there, it was as if Jesus was saying, it's finished. It's paid. You're purchased. You are redeemed. And when we understand the heart of Jesus, we understand when, when he says, I've given it all to you. I want you to, I want you to go all in with me. And see, when we understand that, I want you to understand something. We have a, we have a choice to make this morning. There is a choice that, that every bride, as a matter of fact, I'm going to lighten up the room a little bit because it is heavy in here right now. You know that moment in the wedding where, every, where you know, the, the groom and the bride is standing up there and the preacher says, you know, do you, you know, solemnly swear to take this woman as your lawful wedded wife, you know, and the husband says, I do. And then you're waiting on the bride. And sometimes if they're a little mean, they'll pause a little bit. Cassie, do you take this man whose hand that you hold to be your lawfully wedded husband to have and to hold him to, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish him, excluding all others, as long as you both shall live? I do. Praise God! And at that moment, that's it. You've got a choice. Jesus said, I do. Jesus said, I do, when he hung on the cross. He said, I'm giving it all. I'm paying the price. I'm all in for you. But here's what he he does. The Holy Spirit, when he comes and he searches for you, he searches you out and he draws you to Jesus Christ. In that moment, you have a choice. And it's called the consent of the bride. And the bride has a choice to say, I do. I do. What is this I do? It's, it's the scripture in Romans that I alluded to other. Anyone who believes in their heart that Jesus has been raised from the dead, anyone who confesses with their mouth their sins, that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us. That is when you believe in Jesus with your heart and confess with your mouth, that is your verbal consent. Jesus, I do. And there's something so significant about that. And there is, a, there is an Old Testament story where Rebecca had to actually say, I do, 
to Isaac. And, 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 and when, when she said that, she was saying to Isaac, she's saying, I'm going to go where you go. Where you go, I go. Whatever, whatever you want me to do, I'm submitting to you. Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it because guess what? I belong to you. And we talked about that last week, about how brides were purchased in the Old Testament. If you, and, and, and you'll have to go back and listen to that teaching. But there was two very significant things that took place right here. Because when the bride said, I do, she would actually go to something that is called the mikvah in Hebrew. And it was a ritual, like water immersion that would take place. You know where I'm going with this. What do we, what's the first thing that we're commanded to do after we're saved? Be baptized. And there was two spiritual significance. Uh, significances that took place when this bride was was dumped in this water. Number one, she was saying, I'm coming out from the title of being a single woman now. My old life is gone. Who I once was, my old name is, is, is gone, and I'm coming out of my, my being known as a single woman. From now, from now on, I'm a married woman. Women, look at your husbands and say, I'm taken. Look at your husbands and say, uh, I belong to somebody else before I belong to you. You see, because, listen, you might think this is, this is insignificant, but a lot of us today are still living, oh, Lord, help me. We're still living like we're single. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Because I told you last week, engagements were not easily broken. There was actually had to be a, a literal like deal of divorce. Divorce. There, they had to go through everything that husbands, I mean, it was it, that wives would go through to actually get divorced after this engagement ceremony took place. I told you they were fully married in every sense after the engagement ceremony, other than the physical consummation of the marriage. And so, what would happen is she would saying, "I, Father, I don't, I, I don't belong to you. I belong to my husband now." Meaning, I'm not, under, I'm not under your authority any longer. I'm under his authority. And so many of us are acting like we're single. Acting like we're still under the authority of sin. We're acting like we're having to fight battles by ourselves. We're acting like we're the only one going to war. We're acting like that, that all of this stuff that is surrounding us today is overcoming us because we're in this by ourselves. Let me calm down for a minute. Speak to the Baptist crowd in here. It's a joke. The labels, Baptist, Pentecostal, Methodist, Catholic. We got them all in here. Praise God. Amen. How many of y'all are just thankful to be the bride of Christ? The church. Is that okay? Because I want you to understand something. When you go to battle, you're not single anymore when you are in covenant 
with Jesus Christ. There is one who goes before you. There is one you're not going in your authority. You're not going in your own name. You're not going in your own power. You are coming under the submission. You are submitting to and coming under the authority of Jesus Christ. So it's not the banner of Justin Driver that I'm waving when I'm going into battle. If I wave the banner of Justin Driver when I go into battle, guess what happens? The enemy laughs at me in my face and he puts me in my place. That rhymes. That's a, I didn't even know that, but praise God. I didn't plan that. But I'm going to wave the banner of Jesus Christ. I'm going to wave the banner of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. See, Chris Hodges words it this way. He says, I'm just a private in God's army. And so many of us think we have to be colonels. That we have to, in our own self, build our own self up and, and get status and labels and titles and, 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 and all of this. And when we get to that point, then I'll really have the authority I need to, to put the enemy in his place. But can I tell you something? That isn't true. You don't have to be a colonel. You can be perfectly fine just being a private. All you got to do is be in relationship with the colonel. And when you're in relationship with the colonel, the enemy, here's the thing about the enemy. The enemy understands spiritual authority. He submits to rankings. He has no choice. And if you'll catch a hold of this this morning, I want the bride to understand the authority that she has in Jesus Christ this morning. See, a bride in covenant, not only when she submerged in this mikvah, this, this ritual purification that the Jewish bride went to, when you are saved in Jesus Christ, and I told you something, can I, can I just get a little, a little personal right here, right now? See, we, we talk for so long, and I still believe this, but I'm going to tell you something. God was, God's been working on me a little bit when it comes to baptism because I still believe bap baptism is an outward sign of an inward commitment. It's like wearing this wedding band. Wearing this wedding, wedding band doesn't make me married, but guess what? It's telling the world I'm a married man. But I'm going to tell you, there is something very significant that, that happens during baptism. Well, Pastor, I need scripture. Well, we're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. What are, your, what are you doing when you're baptized? You're testifying to the world that, that, that I'm no longer, I don't belong to the world anymore. I don't belong, I'm not a slave to the enemy anymore. I'm not a slave to sin. The sin is in the grave. But I'm being raised up a new, a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. The new life is begun. And so now what has happened is I'm coming under the authority of Jesus Christ. And I'm no longer under the authority of who I once was, the flesh. And so this is perfectly modeled in Jesus' baptism. What happened when Jesus was baptized? 
Jesus was baptized. He came up out of the water, and the dove ascended on him. And we all know the dove in the Scripture. What is the dove in Scripture? Uh, uh, It represents the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you something. Something very significant in your life happens when you are submerged and you are raised up. Baptism doesn't save you. Only the blood of Jesus saves you. But there is something very powerful. Why am I teaching on this? Why am I preaching on this this morning? Because we have, I think, put a very low, how do, what's the word I'm looking for? I think we need to raise baptisms, the bar up on baptism, water baptism. It's not just about being sprinkled with a little water. It's not, it's, 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 it's not just about, you know, some type of ritual that we go through or tradition that we go through. But it's commanded in Scripture by Jesus Christ. And if it's commanded in Scripture by Jesus Christ, there's got to be spiritual application to it. There's got to be something significant about it. And I'm going to tell you something. I believe that it is, it is powerful when we go under that water and we say, I'm dead to sin, I'm dead to my old self, I'm being raised up in Jesus Christ. And just like the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in the form of a dove when he was baptized, I believe the Holy Spirit is getting ready to do something very significant in your life when you get baptized. Some of y'all don't know how to receive that this morning. It's okay. Just put it in your pocket and take it home. Digest it a little bit. Chew on it a little bit. I know I'm messing with your theology a little bit. It's okay. If you don't agree with me, come back talk to me a little bit. But I believe there's something powerful about baptism. I do. I believe there's something powerful in water baptism. And so what what am I saying this morning? Two things, and I'm going to, worship team, come on up. Two applications. Number one is I want this church to engage God in water baptism. I want us to put more of an emphasis as if we really can. We've, We've put an emphasis on baptism. But I, I really want us to, I, I, want to, I want us to pray that if, you, if you've been saved, if you've rededicated your life, if you made a decision, there's five people that made a decision for Christ. Why am I preaching on this? Because we had 250 decisions for Christ last year. We had half as many water baptisms. And I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. And I'm not saying that to to sound negative. But what I'm saying is this. It's time we put a greater emphasis on water baptism. Why do, Jensen Franklin taught it this way. And I don't know, how many of y'all listen to Jensen Franklin? And and listen, we made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Greater is he who is within me than he that is of this world. In his opinion, what he told his church he said, in his opinion, the reason why people struggle so much by, with going back to their old self is because they don't commit to take the next step in water baptism to testify that my old man is dead and gone, that Jesus saved them. Jesus cleansed them in their blood, in his blood. They're on their way to heaven. But why do they struggle so much with going back to the old habits? 
Maybe, I'm not telling you 100% of the time, listen, not, it's, but maybe, maybe this is resonating with somebody. Maybe the reason why you're struggling so much with going back to your old self is because you hadn't really buried it. And I'm challenging somebody, Pastor, why are you preaching on baptism? Such an elementary topic into a, a group of beliefs because five people were saved this morning and your next step is water baptism. Winter water baptism. The first Sunday in February. How do I sign up for water baptism? You can go on forwardchurchonline.com or you can visit Miss Phyllis, out at the booth, and I guarantee you we got a we got a form out there, do we not? If not, we'll just write your name down. Praise God. There you go. Forwardchurchonline.com slash resources. And I'm child what am I doing? I'm I'm being intentional. And I'm not trying to sound mean here, but if anybody has a problem with this, I don't apologize. Because guess what's about to happen? I'm about to give you one more application. I'm about to close this out. We're going to pray. We're going to leave here. And I'm probably going to lose contact with you for six days. Unless you filled out a connect card. Unless you filled out a decision card. So I'm being intentional. Right here, right now. You made a decision for Christ, sign up for baptism. Sign up for baptism. Because I believe it's so powerful. So powerful. So powerful. Last but not least, I guess this would be the third application of Vision 2023. Number one, engage God in His Word. Number two, engage God in water baptism. Number three, engage God in His Holy Spirit through His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in the form of a dove after He was baptized. And He was empowered to begin His ministry. Man, everywhere Jesus went, He healed the sick. He opened the eyes of the blind. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. He did all of these miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit was so evident in the life of Jesus. Why isn't it so evident or why isn't He so evident in the life of the New Testament church, the bride of Christ, which should be in covenant with Jesus Christ? It's because we're not really... Lord, I sound so, I don't want to sound condemning. I want to challenge our church. I want us to engage God through the Holy Spirit more in 2023 than we ever have before. Give the Holy Spirit time in your life. Listen to Him. Do you know that He will actually lead you and guide you in your everyday walk? in your decisions, in your conversations, in everything that you do. The Holy Spirit is there and He is there to, and the Bible says that He will never leave you, He will never forsake you, but He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. 